This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. It is another Saturday morning. Hey, welcome into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM, KQAM. Hey, great to have you along for the ride this morning, getting you up and moving for the day, starting off another weekend, another warm one for sure at that as well, 80, 90 degrees throughout the weekend again. I think summer or pre-summer has officially hit, and we're not even to Memorial Day yet. Who's ready for that one? Hey, welcome into the program, 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, I would love to hear from you today. Lots to get to, lots to talk about. We have a lot of great guests coming on the program as we have things happening all over the place here across the state of Kansas and the country. State Representative Leo Delperdang hanging out with us here in about a half hour from now. We'll get him on the program and talk about what's going on with the legislative session as they are getting ready for the sign and die the last couple of days of the session here in just about a week or so from now. And uh, we'll get that big news that happened yesterday as well regarding the legislative session regarding Kansas Governor Laura Kelly. Yeah, she's back at it again. And the 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 I, I almost said something that was FCC unapproved. Let's try and do this a little bit more in a favorable sense, shall we? The Democrat governor that said she hates vetoing things that has vetoed more bills than any other governor in like the last 10 or 20 years in the state of Kansas has vetoed yet again some more bills in the state of Kansas, including one of them that would have prevented any more mask mandates down the road or any other COVID-19 or health regulated mandates, locking people down, shutting their businesses down and forcing people to have to get a vaccine or a mask in some way, shape or form that has been vetoed by the governor because by golly, we don't want to limit uh, and restrict her powers in any way, shape or form. We don't want to leave it up to the legislature that has a better voice for people. No, no, no. She has to veto the bill that restricts her own power. So we'll see if we can get that bill overridden here in about a week or so. So we'll get to that in a little bit. State, State Representative Leo Delperdang, he'll be joining us here shortly. Also, bottom of next hour, wrapping up the program, we'll replay our interview that we did with the man himself, Bill O'Reilly, author of the book Killing the Killers. We had him on the show earlier this week for The Voice of Reason, and we'll play that interview in just a little bit. So uh, all that, plus I want to get your phone calls as well at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. All of it presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. They open up here in about 20 minutes until 2.30 this afternoon. So lots of things to get to there. Uh, here's the other big news. Are you ready to be able to gamble on sporting events in the state of Kansas? It is official. The governor did sign that one, obviously. I mean, we have tax revenue coming into the state for that one, so she's all okay with that. Although there is some litigation, and we'll get to that here in just a second. Now, here's the thing. It's not quite going to be active this year as the casinos that have kind of the control of the gambling scenarios in the state, they have until 2023 in order to put some of the parameters and the regulations and the guidelines in place for the actual gambling of these sports here in the state. So you may not be able to gamble for that high school football team this fall season, or you may not be able to gamble quite yet when it comes to uh, NFL. We're early basketball season until 2023, so it's coming, but it's not quite here yet. 
Are you ready? And do you think it's a good idea or a bad idea? Apparently, there's been a lot of individuals on both sides of the aisle in the legislature that have been fighting this uh, legalization of gambling, and I just don't understand why. Doesn't make any sense to me. The left, I get it. They want more control over it. Maybe they wanted a little bit more money coming into it. Maybe they want a little bit more. I mean, it's all about control for them. So I get it from the Democrat side. On the Republican side, the conservative mindset, why in the world wouldn't we want sports gambling in some way, shape, or form? Uh, and why would they continue to fight this? It doesn't make any sense. I, I've heard the tweet tweets of some of the ultra-religious individuals that just don't want it for religious purposes. But, you know, for a limited conservative mindset, then if you don't like gambling, then you can drive right past the casino and not even have to do it. I know it's a wild concept, but hey. You could just mosey on by and say, you know what, that's not for me, and then go on about your day. Uh, the control is a little strange to me as we play off as conservative Republicans in the state of Kansas. So sports gambling did pass. It is going to happen, although we may have to wait just a little bit for them to actually put the things in place. But DraftKings back in place. And the big question is, where? how are we going to take this big gambling issue? Is it going to be just for the college teams with K-State and KU and Wichita State University? Is it going to be for just the bigger stuff with Kansas City Chiefs and the Kansas City Royals and other big teams or even the AAA team that's here in the city of Wichita? which was the wind surge. It's not the wind surge anymore. Is that correct? Did they change names? I heard something about them changing names or something. I'm going to have to look at that during the break, but I swear I saw something how they actually changed the name of the team. It's no longer the wind surge. I mean, a season and a half was a good run for them, I guess. So uh, we'll see what happens uh, with that team. Is it even going to go down into high school sports? Are we going to start betting on a high school football teams? Hey, Bishop Carroll, which, as you know, our sister station over on Sports Radio KGSO, they're the home for the Bishop Carroll Golden Eagles. Are we going to start gambling happening with some of the high school football teams? Are we going to do gambling with high school basketball teams? Are we going to go? I mean, if we're doing that, I'm throwing money down on the chess tournaments, baby. Bring it on. I'm ready. I am ready for someone to rock the chess tournament. I am ready for... Uh, I mean, ESPN3 has already played some of this, but the rock, paper, scissor tournaments, they've played those on ESPN. Are we going to start throwing money on those? I mean, I'm down for it. Let's do it. I can now legally start putting money onto Conor McGregor with UFC fights with DraftKings and and whatever other opportunities are going to be out there for that. So that's exciting. But sports gambling officially here in the state, what do you think about it? Good, bad, yay, nay? I'd love to hear from your thoughts on this at 316-721-8255. And the phones are lit up on this issue, so let's go right to it. Shall we line number one? Good morning. Who's this? Uh, this is Frederick. Frederick, how are you, my friend? Oh, I'm fine. Oh, by the way, before I start, um, thank you for that little uh, deal on the Todd Stearns show. It sounds it sounds beautiful. You did an excellent job. Well, uh, well, we appreciate, first off, you listening and calling into Todd Stearns and doing that. We we love the fact that, uh, you know, even though Todd Stearns is on a delayed tape here on KQAM for a couple hours, the fact that you were able to still get in and talk to him, he loves being in the Wichita market. We absolutely love having Todd Starnes on the air here. We've gotten major feedback from Todd Starnes being on with us here. So that's awesome that you were able to get through and, and talk to him. And, yeah, we love being able to promote uh, listeners interacting with the talk show host. So we appreciate that. Beautiful. Oh, by the way, on, on that gambling, um, now, Wichita State, during the past year, they are allowing their students, their athletes, to be sponsored. In other words, the athlete is going to go to the highest bidder. In other words, uh, Wichita State lost a lot of players because they could be represented by a better school 
and make more money. And that created a heck of a mess out there. Now, betting on sports, does, does that mean that I can go to a college student and say, if you throw this game, I'll give you $1,000 because I'm going to place money on your team to lose, and I can make more money. So mm. what's that? what well, is that going to do? Uh, well, I'm sure that that will be tried in some way, shape, or form. Now, actually throwing it and actually involving the players in it in some way, shape, or form is still illegal, even when sports gambling is legal, because you're not supposed to actually be involved with the players in some way, shape, or form. I'm sure that's still going to be tried. Uh, but I will say, especially at the college level, I don't know if that's necessarily the best idea, especially for the students, because they're looking at making it bigger. They're looking at trying to go to the professionals or something. So I don't see that as much of an issue with college students or high school students. I definitely see that as a potential, I guess, with the with the pros of you know being able to throw a game because they're already there. They're already making their million dollar contracts. So uh, but at the same time, I don't know. How much of I I don't know how they regulate that stuff. I'm sure there's a way that they regulate that or watch it or try to make sure it doesn't happen. But will it be tried? I'm sure. I mean, that's why boxing has gone down the tank because you know people have taken a dive and made a lot more money than what they were going to win by actually winning the fight. So you know, boxing is really staged, and I'm not a big fan of how boxing is actually done anymore. So will it happen? Maybe, um, but I don't see that as an issue with college per se because. Yeah, I, I think the students are still trying to keep their numbers high so that way they look better in maybe a draft or some type of moving up into the professionals in some way, shape, or form. Now, what I will say with that is that some of the money going into the state of Kansas uh, with tax revenue that they're going to take, they, so the state's going to take 10% across the board from the gambling and put it into a fund, and it's going to be used for portions of recruiting new athletes into the state. I don't know how they're going to divvy that up based on university. I don't know how they're going to divvy that up based on, you know, which student's going to go to which team sort of thing, but they're going to try and use it for recruitment for better athletes to come to the state of Kansas and potentially to bring a professional team to the uh, to the city of Wichita or, you know, a, a professional football team or a pro professional baseball team or something and try and bring more athletes to the state. So I don't know if that's going to have an influence either. That could be interesting. Yes. You know, out of Wichita State, uh, they fired their athletic director because he didn't get on board with this NIL or whatever, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. And I'm looking, and more than likely out of this, this coming year, I'm looking, they're going to get a new athletic director and more than likely he'll get rid of this coach they have right now. And they're going to get really uh, a high name coach to come in and possibly will restart the program and really do great guns yeah it's going to be interesting and i'm glad you brought that up as well the nih or the nil or whatever the hell they're talking about i am i i will say avidly right now and this may be controversial it may not i'm not really sure but i am adamantly against paying college athletes a salary to play sports they are not a professional yeah. they are there to be educated they, I mean, 2%, less than 2% of college athletes actually make it onto the professionals, which means they need something else to fall back on. While if we're paying them to be college athletes to play sports, uh, which first off, we already are because we give a lot of, most of them full ride scholarships anyways, just to go to school to do this. But if we're paying them, then what's the point of even making it to the professionals and they get a four, uh, you know, the four to five year stint in college to play these? I'm not a fan of that. They are a student first. They are an athlete second. I know that many student athletes argue that and say, well, you know, we can't take the classes that we necessarily need to. And we have so many trips that we go on over, you know, to away games and we have so much training and so on and so forth. But I don't care. 
you still need to make the education the priority. And this may be far-fetched, but that needs to be the priority because you have a less than 2% chance of making it to the professionals. No, you're not a professional athlete. No, you do not need to be paid. I am adamantly against that. You know, uh, I talked to a student athlete, oh, my gosh, it was approximately a week ago, and I was talking, and he, and he was in a minor sport out there. And I said, oh, are you going get to uh, you get in on all this good money? He says, no. He says, you know, that's for the basketball players. And so the sport that I'm in, I'm not going to name the sport, uh, we're just a minor sport, and they're not interested in really uh, supporting us or paying us anything. So if you're a basketball player, you're really making an – out great if you're in the sport that I'm in. Yeah. Um, no, you're just uh, you're just a student athlete, just plain old Joe. Yeah, well, that's true. And yeah. you know what? This this is going to while they say it's going to try and level the playing field. This is only going to make the bigger universities bigger because they can afford to pay uh, other students more money to go there. So they're going to get the best of the best and the best crop. And then the smaller universities are going to be stuck out there, and it's really going to devastate a lot of those athletic departments. It's really going to be a top tiered system for only the big universities. They can afford some of the best players, and uh, that is going to be unfortunate. And places like Wichita State University, places like Newman University, places like Friends University, places like Bethel University or Bethel College, that kind of stuff, they're they're going to lose even some of their players to go up to the bigger universities that can pay them more if something like this happens. I am open to a discussion on them being able to market their name if a jersey is being sold for the university with their name on the back of the jersey sort of thing and maybe getting some royalties off of that if people want the jersey with their name on it because that is their name. I can kind of see a discussion for that one, but for a flat-out salary, we're going to pay you X amount of money to be able to play here. Totally not. I mean, we're already doing that by giving them full-ride scholarships or scholarships to be at the university to play. I don't like anything beyond that. Andy, it's beautiful listening to you today. I'm on your 102.5 and coming in beautiful, and I deeply appreciate it. Oh, by the way, I, uh, just for the heck of it, I turned that 99.7, that yes. FM station that you're going to acquire, and on your on your number two channel, you've already got the oh, uh, oh, Hank, Hank FM on there. <laughs> That's right. We're working on it. So, okay, uh, for those that don't know, yes, we have purchased uh, Steckline Communications. Greg Steckline, the owner of the company, has purchased. We uh, we own right now 99.7, which is La Raza, uh, Spanish music. And that studio is broadcasting uh, about 50 feet away from me right now as that's rocking out with the La Raza. And, yes, it is a digital channel, which means there's four channels to it, HD1, HD2, HD3, HD4. And number one right now is the Spanish. Number two is the classic country, the Hank FM. Hank is back in the market, and it's going to be, as Donald Trump says, huge and bigly. It's going to be wonderful. Uh, we're programming it right now. We're fine-tuning it. We're finishing uh, wiring up the studio. We're doing the tweaks on air. So it's not up to par yet, but it's there, and you can hear the music. And then we are set in a couple of weeks. Not going to give out the date yet. We're going to do the official switch to where Hank will be on the HD1 at 99.7, and La Raza will be moving to the HD2 on that station, but we are so excited about both of them because uh, the La Raza already is kicking butt in the market. We Everybody loves that station. The Cinco de Mayo party that we had at the Cedric County Zoo a couple of weeks ago brought out 10,000 people to their concert, which was absolutely phenomenal. And uh, we're excited for that station to grow along with uh, getting Hank up and going as well. So we got a lot of big stuff going on. I think that's really wonderful. Uh, that just gives me another, uh, uh, I'm a radio nut, Andy. I've got, I got, I, I have more radios than Carter has pills. 
And so uh, another way to listen to you is beautiful. And uh, anyway, everything's great, Andy. Take care, and you have the most beautiful day. And, well, just keep on rocking, okay? <laughs> keep on rocking. That's what it's about. Frederick, I always appreciate the call, my friend. Have a great weekend. Always appreciate you. You're right. And I appreciate you giving the plug for the shows and for the station and everything that's going on. It has been a blur the last couple of weeks for sure. It has been extremely busy, but we're excited to get this up and going for everybody. So more information to come. Stay tuned in for it, and we're excited for that. All right, we got some other calls on the line. Stay here. I want your thoughts. The sports gambling. Is it good? Is it bad? What's it going to do to the market? What's it going to do to the student athletes for the high school level, the college level, even the professionals? What are we going to do? And will you be partaking in the fun sports gambling here in the state? I can officially put some money on Conor McGregor for a UFC fight, baby. Although he's supposed to fight in July, and I don't think it's going to be up by then. So I got a little ways more to wait, but I'm ready for it whenever it happens. That's what it's all about. We'll do that when we come back. We'll take some more phone calls about the sports gambling in the state and a heck of a lot more on Candace Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Welcome back into the program. 26 minutes past the hour. Thanks for hanging out with us today for your Saturday morning. Getting you up and moving for another weekend. Making it happen, doing the thing. Let's go right back to the phones here. Sports gambling, good, bad. Are you excited? Are you not excited? Why are some fighting it so adamantly? doesn't make any sense to me. Let's go to the phones here, shall we? Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? Hey, fight the power, Andy. It's Sean. Sean, what's going on? Fight the power. That's right. It's fascinating to me. I mean, I, if people don't want to gamble, they don't have to gamble. If they drive by a casino and they don't want to go in there and, and spend their money on a gambling thing, they can drive right on past it. Why, why are people so adamantly saying, hey, I don't like it, so therefore no one should do it? That's a very liberal, progressive, utopian tactic there, isn't it? Well, uh, in that in that uh, in that respect, yes. But uh, gambling on sports, you know, it makes it too easy. I think to uh, allow for uh, um, corruption. You know, like uh, uh, you mean like trying to game gets rich. Okay, so like trying to buy off some of the players to do something specific to try for a certain outcome. And again, there is an opportunity for that, I think, I'm sure. But at the same time, I think high schoolers we don't have to worry about because they're trying to do well to get in college. So to throw a game would be really bad for their stats and they wouldn't be able to get a scholarship for college. A college student probably wouldn't do that, in my guess, because unless they're getting a really big payday so they wouldn't care, but that would still be a little naive if they're trying to make it to the big leagues because, again, that would ruin their record and their stats in order to move up and actually stay on the uh, you know the starting lineup or, or to be able to go on to the professionals or do whatever they do. I, I don't know that that's going to be as big of an issue as what we think, although at the professional level we have seen it, and that's why boxing went into the tank because people were taking dives all the time. Well, the thing is, though, uh, when it comes to high school and college sports, those guys are all amateurs. Yeah. Okay. The, the ones that play in professional sports are professionals. So I, I don't even think that college students, you know, should be getting a paycheck to play a uh, Thank you. college football game. Yeah. I completely agree with that. There, there doesn't need to be a reason why we're paying college athletes. Now, I can kind of see a little bit of a kickback or a royalty on when we buy a jersey or we buy a coffee mug or we buy a flag or we buy something with their name on it because it is their name 
At the same time, though, I don't know. You know that you, they want to promote the team as a whole and that you want your name to be out there. So, you know, is it more of a PR thing to try and get your name out for the professional stuff? Sean, i got to take a hard break here. Um, but it's a great point. I'd, I'm against them getting paid. I'm almost up for the idea for royalties for their names on jerseys and stuff. But at the same time, I'm okay if they don't get paid for that either. Just because, again, you're a student. You're a student. Got to take a break. Leo Delperdang in studio when we come back here on Canada Talk here on the Big Talker KQM. Stay here. Welcome back into the program. It is a Saturday morning. Thanks for hanging out. Hold on here. Helps I actually transfer over the camera there. We do have the Facebook Live going on right now. Facebook.com slash 1480KQAM. So that is up and running for you. Hey, thanks for hanging out today on a Saturday morning. Brought to you by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. I, I do have to just gloat for just a second, or at least show how proud we are with the programs that we're doing. Like this show, obviously, we get a lot of phone calls, a lot of great conversation on the local and the and the uh, the the community level here, which we absolutely love. The national broadcast during the week with the voice of reason killing it. We've in the past month we've had Dr. Robert Malone on talking about the COVID nineteen stuff. We just had Boris Epstein on the program yesterday, uh, the political advisor for the Trump campaign of twenty twenty. We had Bill O'Reilly on earlier this week as well, talking about his new book. Last week, who did who did we have on last week? Some major guest again last week as well. I don't even remember, um, um, but some great stuff. We, we've been rocking it. We've been killing it. And we appreciate you guys for listening and following us, and we get a lot of feedback and a lot of great response. So thank you for that very, very much. It's awesome and fantastic, and we love it to death. Uh, filling in still for the great Mark Walters with Armed American Radio. We've been, uh, what was it, last week? We filled in for about three days in a row as he was out traveling and doing some stuff. So always good stuff there, and we appreciate you guys. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. But let's talk about some state issues because there's a lot of stuff going on. Even though that we're not technically in session right now, there's a lot of things going on. The governor vetoing some bills. Shocker. The governor that says she doesn't like to veto things has vetoed more bills than like any governor in the last like 20 years. Uh, so she's on the campaign trail and trying to make a big stand. We have a few things to wrap up with the sign and die coming up in just about a week from now in the state legislature. But where are we at? Plus the sports gambling that I want to get your thoughts on still as well. Are you all about the sports gambling? Do you not like the sports gambling? And if you disagree with it because of a religious argument or a taxation argument or a regulation argument. I want to hear from you. I want to try and understand because I just don't understand why. Uh, I mean, I know that we're – Kansas and Leo, maybe you can help me out with this. State Representative Leo Delperdang in studio. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Andy. Good to hear from you. Yeah, Leo. you as well. Yeah, but maybe you could help me with this. Uh, Kansas seems to be – we're the ones that kind of are the last holdouts for a lot of stuff. I mean, I remember when I first moved to Kansas all the way back in, good golly, 2010 – uh, and I was out in the Garden City market and talking and doing on the radio out there that we had just and actually at that time, we still weren't even allowed to sell alcohol on Sundays mm -hmm. at that time. So we were one of the last. And I was like, really? That was like a 1920s thing. Like, what are we doing here? Yeah. And it drove me nuts. And I try and go and get a case of beer. No, sorry. It's Sunday. You can't you can't buy this thing. We were the last hole out there. Every state around us has legalized marijuana in some way, shape or form. And that hasn't gotten here yet. The sports gambling, very controversial, a lot of heated discussion there. We're kind of one of the last holdouts on a lot of stuff in Kansas. We, we, we are. We traditionally have been. I don't know if it's just because we're that much more of a conservative state. I know when I moved here in the early 80s originally, uh, you had to have a club membership just to go in and have a drink in a restaurant. 
Really? The laws were that strict. Now, that's eased up over time. But, yeah, like you say, you couldn't have drinks on Sunday. Uh, There is a lot of other states that have got the medical or recreational marijuana going on. But it's just Kansas is a pretty conservative state when it comes to that. Yeah, it's just interesting. Even with the like the alcohol on Sundays, I didn't, I never understood it because I'm like, okay, well, if I just buy two cases on Saturday, then it'll get me through on Sunday. So I'm still drinking. I'm just not going out and purchasing it. It doesn't make any sense on why we would stop that. It's because it's not like it's detracting anything. It just, I think it was a feel good bill to make us feel like we're a little bit morally superior. Right, and it's it's, it's just I think we lag behind the rest of the country in a lot of those things. <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and you know what? I mean, being conservative and being a holdout on stuff is good, I think. But at the same time, like, we got to be smart about it as well and use mm-hmm. some common sense of is it really helping anything or is it just making us feel like we're helping something? I, I That's that's a controversy all in itself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, you voted for the sports gambling bill. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but since we did kind of go the ha- last half hour, I mean, uh, your thoughts on the bill as it came out. I mean, it's a big bill, so there's a lot to get through it's, there. Yeah, I've got a copy of the bill in my hands, and I'm going to say it's two to 300 pages. So it's wow. it's a complex one. Yeah. Uh, it, it really is. Yeah, but that's interesting. As of, as of now, the lottery has kind of the monopoly on, mm. on any gambling, if you would. Okay. So that, it's a little bit of a twist. It's kind of opening it up with that, but... Interesting. I, I buy. I will admit I am not the expert on that bill. So, but there are people that you're going to have on here in the near future who know yeah. it pretty much frontward and, and backward. Yeah, we had on Dan Hawkins, House Majority Leader, a couple of weeks ago, right before it officially passed, when you guys were talking about it, and we're going to have him back on again here in a couple of weeks uh, to do a full legislative recap and get some more details on it. And uh, I don't want to talk too much about the details of the bill, but it is interesting with some of the pushback that we've seen on that bill uh, for this one. So I'm glad it did go through. I'm just, uh, now I'm anxious. There's a Conor McGregor fight coming up in like two months and I need to gamble on this thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and sorry, it, I'm, I'm one of those that I don't do it and it, it's my choice to drive on by. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. Just, just drive on by there. I, I am ready because I'm assuming that we're going to be able to gamble on high school sports as well, which means chess tournament, baby. I'm all about it. I'm throwing money on mm-hmm. whoever's going to win the chess tournament. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Other bills outside of that one. Let's talk about some other stuff going on. What is lingering still for the sign and die right now? And then I want to get into some of the Governor Kelly vetoes. Um, but what's some of the stuff that's still kind of pressing that we're not quite wrapped up with yet for the state? Um, we could jump into that. I, I did want to hit on something that's really been yeah. kind of eaten on me. And I thought go for it's, it. it's just time to get it out here. But everybody has heard <clears throat> the media releases over the past month, two, three months, you know. <clears throat> excuse me, uh, where Kelly's doing the media releases, say, on the property tax reduction, mm. the income tax reduction, the acts of the food tax, the sales tax <laughs> reduction. I mean, somehow she seems to be doing this single-handedly. There's there's no legislature involved. She's just That's doing right. This. She's just doing it out of the so, goodness of her heart. Yeah. yeah. And so I think it was yesterday another one comes out that Laura Kelly signs bill for paying off more than $1 billion, that's billion with a B, of Capers debts. And now that's something you guys strong armed her into doing. Well, yeah, it was Senate Bill 421, and it transferred a, a billion dollars from the state general fund to the Kansas Public Employee Retirement System. Uh, and it did provide immediate and really long term benefits to the state because it eliminates the state's uh, balance sheets as far as the debt and it reduces some of our uh, future employer contributions. But in response to that, I've got a quote here highlighted that I wanted to bring out from our governor. Mm-hmm. 
that says balancing the budget, paying off debt, and providing financial relief for Kansans has always been on my top priority. Today, we delivered on that promise. Uh, she says, we are fixing the damage done to CAPERS because of our public service, or because our public service employees and retirees deserve their retirement fund to be replenished after the previous administration yeah. skipped the payments to cover it. But I, now I'd kind of like to, if we could, let's look at some of the facts here. Let's go back to the history, let's shall look. we? 2019, she wanted to do approximately a $7 billion, again with a B, $7 billion new amortization out of the CAPERS fund so yeah. that she could pay for other things that she was making promises during her campaign. Sure. 2020, she turned around with another approximately $4 billion reamortization out of the CAPERS fund. Now, luckily... The legislature, which, you know, has nothing to do with these bills, but we stopped both of those. Right. It was just, it would have just ripped that fund apart for the capers. So, but I want to know if after those two actions, how is that balancing the budget and paying off the debt? I mean, we keep seeing these political tactics coming out over and over and over. You know, you can get into the things that she's putting out, you know, the, the acts, the food tax is just a pet peeve of mine because... As How many times has she vetoed that? Well, it's vetoed several times. I know uh, a previous legislator here who's a competitor of yours, if you will. <laughs> I remember one given year he ran a dozen either bills or amendments trying to reduce or eliminate food taxes, and each one of them were shot down yeah. on the Democrat side. Yeah. So this year, actually last year, it was November 5th. I remember it well. The legislature got a letter from Derek Schmidt. Attorney General running for governor here, asking us to con seriously consider looking at the food taxes to either reduce it or eliminate it all across the board. And it was a week to two weeks later before Laura Kelly jumped onto the bandwagon. Sure. So And made it a big campaign. Thing. And made it a very big campaign now. So, yeah, it, it's just one of those things of I wish we as the Republican Party would do a better job of messaging that. That's a great point. Uh, we need to step up our messaging game a little bit and let people know what's really going on. Because you're right, she has stolen the axe attacks thing, and she did the whole, you know, stalking people in the grocery store, walking around with an axe in her hand, which is very strange, very, you know, creepy a little bit on her end. But she had fought it as a senator, as you mentioned, with, you know, other people trying to propose it for years that she's stopped that. She's vetoed it at least once or twice as governor already. Uh, so she had no intention of actually, because, I mean, it's tax revenue. They want mm -hmm. more government money, so they would never stop it. But because she's down in the polls, she handled the COVID-19 pandemic horribly, she's getting on the bandwagon of really campaigning, trying to pretend to be a Republican. Mm -hmm. She's stealing the campaign on the X, the tax, and trying to lower tax rates across the state for the sales tax, and like you mentioned, property tax and income tax, whatever else she wants to try and cut there. The the reamortization of capers, she's always been about wanting to do that. And Absolutely. if I remember correctly, Governor Brownback actually left capers at a relatively decent level when he left with the yeah. actual uh, like a billion dollar emergency fund for the state and with it completely back fully funded the way it needed to be. And then she got rid of all that. Right. And that and most people don't even realize that. And I'm not sitting here to, to brag on Brownback or, or Carly. Well, or no, but we those, need to know but, the facts here. But when Brownback came into office, brand new as the governor here, there was less than a thousand dollars, one thousand dollars in the state budget. Now, that's just not fathomable to yeah. me. 
when Brownback left the state, remember the guy that bankrupted it? No, exactly. There was yeah. a roughly $1 billion in the state checkbooks at that point in time. So tell me how he bankrupted it, because I just don't get that. It part. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no. Ann Capers was fully funded at that time. Yes. And all she has talked about for her first uh, first term here has been re-amortizing. We need to re-amortize it. We need the money. I'm the education governor, and if that's where we need to get the money, that's where we'll get the money. And it, it's just been absurd how she's been trying to steal it. And now... Her, her statement is, we're going to refund it because, well, the last administration screwed it up. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. No, it just doesn't. And it's re-election tactics, and they get old real quick. Yeah, that is very true. So. Let's take a break here real quick. We have a lot to talk about with things going on, obviously, with the capers, with some of the tax money, the budget stuff, other things that you've been working on in the legislature. Overall, though, has it was it a decent session this year? Yeah, I think it was a pretty decent session. I mean, it it's amazing how many bills come and go, but it's being selective for which ones would really benefit Kansans yeah. to let those up yeah, and get them above the line and get them work. And there's, been get a, them done. there's been several we've done here. Sure. Well, good. We'll talk about some of those when we come back. What else is on the slate as well? Lots of things to talk about. When we come back, though, we'll have our update with the AARP. We'll do that here briefly as we continue to wrap up Legislative Session 2022. State Representative Leo Delperdang hanging out with us here in studio. He'll be here until... Well, for the first half hour of hour number two as well. Plus, we'll play our interview with Bill O'Reilly, author of the book Killing the Killers, former Fox News host, radio host. Uh, maybe he's, I think he was a Newsmax now, some other stuff. He's got a lot of projects going on. We'll play that interview coming up in a little bit as well. It's Kansas Talk right here on The Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. I know time is a valuable thing. Watch it fly by as the pendulum swings. Watch it count down to the end of the day. The clock takes life away. It's so unreal. Watch the time go right out the window Trying to hold on to didn't even know I wasted it all just to watch you go I kept everything inside and even though I tried It all fell apart What it meant to be will eventually be a memory of a time I tried so the Fraud Watch Network Retirement Calculator getting involved in the community. Make sure to check them out online at aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. Also make sure to find them and follow them on their social media as well. And Mary is back on the line with us today. Mary, how are you? I'm great, Andy. How are you doing? We are doing great. Always good to chat with you. We always talk a lot about the Fraud Watch Network and scams that are going on in the community. I know you guys are also focusing a lot of attention on scams with veterans, but there have been, and I get them all the time as well. I know everybody around the radio station gets them all the time as well. Robocalls. And they're not just robocalls. They're the annoying robocalls where they almost even look like a 316 or a local area code number. And then you answer it and it's a, some type of scam trying to get you to sign up or pay some money. And they seem to just be getting worse, Mary. They're ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, they seem to be getting worse. They are getting worse. And estimates are that criminals who do robocall scams are making millions, if not billions of dollars out of preying on victims. So it's a really important thing for people to know what they are, to know what to look for, and to know how to not engage in them. There's so, so many out there, like you said. It is sad. So what are they trying to sell with these? I mean, I hear some of them about your car warranty or your home warranty or something like that. I mean, are, are these the ones we're talking about, or do they have different charities and stuff they try to to create as well for you to pay? 
Yeah, well, they hit on on everything, but you're right. Uh, I think the one that I hear most often, as you said, is the the one with the car warranty, and I get that from all kinds of numbers all over the state of Kansas, all over the country. So they're out there. But some other ones that are, and I've been hearing folks talk about these, um, are the ones from Amazon saying, hey, you've made a large purchase on your account, and we want to talk to you about that. And and so, and if you have an Amazon account, you think, oh, okay, that, that might be legitimate. But let me warn you, it's it's they're just using popular services that people know about. So the the fake car warranty, there you know people own cars, so they think, well, we need to tell them about a warranty. Maybe we can get yeah. some personal information out of them by finding out when they bought the car and and who services it and yeah. and how who who's the loan from, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. And then particularly popular right now, we all hear in the news about student loans. Um, so there's a lot of student loan scams out there where people are trying to find out how much you have in student loan, and they have a great offer to help you pay it back, but they need some personal information from you. Um, And then Social Security scams are really big, people posing as Social Security officials, wanting your information, trying to get your Social Security card number, all those kinds of things. So, you know, the main purpose of a robocall scam is to get personal information from you that they can use to steal your money. So that's what they're doing, and we want people to know that that these are scams and they need to be careful. Yeah, they do need to be careful. Are we still seeing scams out there as well regarding like the COVID-19 stuff, even though that's kind of almost done, hopefully? They're still out there, unfortunately, not as, as many. And, and we did see a decrease in robocalls during the, the COVID time, 2020, 2021, but they're on the rise again. So that's why um, people need to be careful. And we know that Americans received about 50 billion automated calls just last year. So, And more than 40% of those are believed to have come from scammers. So it's out there. And yeah, and they're just going to, and the more people that fall for them, you know, the more they're going to do it. Exactly. So what can we do to prevent from actually falling for some of these scams? Do we just uh, hang up on the robocall if it's an electronic voice at all? Uh, Do we just try and call back and try and do our own research? How do we handle this issue? Yeah, well, the best way is to never answer a call from an unknown number or a strange number. Even if you think it might be close to a number, if, if it's a legitimate call from a doctor's office reminding you about an appointment or something like that, don't leave a voice message. So the ba- the main thing, the best thing you can do is just don't answer the call. If you do, um, just it, hang up. Yeah, it, you don't want to call back. You don't want to, you, you know, you can listen to their voicemail, but don't call them back unless you're absolutely certain who's on the line. And, and that's hard to do sometimes. So, and then another thing you can do is, is consider using a call blocker or a spam filter so that it will intercept those obvious spam calls. You know, I know we're also curious. We want to know who's calling us, and maybe we don't recognize the number, so we're curious and we want to answer the phone. But really, if it's someone who really needs to get a hold of you, they're going to leave a message for you. And um, and, and if it's somebody that you know, yeah, go ahead and call them back. But if it's somebody you don't know, they might leave a message and want you to call them back. But if you don't know them and don't have business with them, don't. Don't call them back. 
Yeah, don't call them back and don't worry about it. That's great points there for sure. We got just a little bit of time left here. Talk about what else is going on with the AARP, any of the other virtual sessions, anything else you guys are working on? Yeah, well, and before we do that, I want to make sure people know how to get in touch with our AARP Fraud Watch Network because yes. that's the place to go to find out about scams. And in fact, if you're curious about robo-scams and you want to learn more, we've got a, br- a great podcast on our website that um, talks all about robo-scams and, and what um, communications companies are doing to try to stop them, what law enforcement officials are doing to try to stop them. So it's a great podcast. If you have some time, listen to it. And that's aarp.org slash fraudwatchnetwork. And yes, Andy, we have tons of uh, virtual events coming up. We're doing more movies for grownups online still. And uh, we've got a cooking class coming up with uh, Chef Rock Harper, and that's coming up in June. Um, just go to our events website at aarp.org slash events. And you can see all kinds of things to keep you engaged and informed. I love you guys. Always have so much great information. AARP.org slash Fraudwatch Network to go and check out all the fraud stuff and how to protect yourself there. AARP.org slash KS for the state of Kansas for everything going on here in the state of Kansas. All the great virtual sessions, all the great webinars, all the movies for grownups as well. Make sure to also follow them and like them on their social media as well. Mary, it's always good to talk with you. We appreciate it. Let's do it again next week. Thanks, Andy. Have a great week. All right, there it is. That's the AARP. We always love chatting with them, get their weekly update on what's going on with the AARP. We'll do it again there next Saturday as well. When we come back, that does it for us here in our number one. It goes by way too fast. When we come back, we'll talk some more state legislative issues. We'll get your thoughts on some of the national issues as well. Uh, Elon Musk stalling, putting on hold the purchase of Twitter. The media says he doesn't have the cash on hand. He says he's just waiting for some reports to come out to see how many of the accounts on the Tweety are actually spam or fake accounts. I want to get your thoughts on some of that as well. But when we come back, State Representative Leo Delperding will continue our conversation. What exactly did the governor veto over the last day or two? Where are we at with the legislative session? What's left for the sign-and-die session in a week or so? And how do we wrap up 2022? There's a lot of things going on in the state of Kansas that all of it, by the way, is going to segue right in to election season and how the candidates are going to be running their campaigns here relatively soon. We'll get all that and more coming up here in hour number two on Kansas Talk, right here on the Big Talker, KQAM. Stay here. is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into the program. It is our number two of Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM KQAM. Great to have you along today. Welcome aboard. Thanks for hanging out. Lots to talk about, lots to get to. Bottom of the hour, Bill O'Reilly. We chatted with him earlier this week. His book, Killing the Killers, will play that interview. If you didn't get a chance to listen to that one right now, we're hanging out talking about some state legislative issues of 2022. State Representative Leo Delperdang here in studio. All of it, by the way, presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. I always say this is like one of the few guys that actually has not just inventory for the city 
or for the county or even the state, but really the whole Mid-America region, one of the only guys that has actual inventory where you can walk in and walk out with silver in hand. That's kind of amazing. So uh, Phil's Coins, they're open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. Also online at philscoins.com. Go and check them out. But as we talk about some legislative stuff, Leo, first off, welcome aboard. It's always good to talk to you. Thank you. Getting ready for election season, right? It's exciting. Yes, it's, it's coming upon us really quick. Here. There's almost just a feel to it. It's like the, you know, just the patriotic, I'm going to go out and, you know, be talking to people and doing stuff and mm-hmm. going to the ballot box. There's just an excitement about it. Well, and you've been with me the last couple of terms here. Yeah, this will be, it, the, this will be the third fun. one. I mean, it's one of those things, oh my God, here we come again. But <laughs> once we get going, it truly is enjoyable. I enjoy, I enjoy meeting the people. I enjoy going out and talking to them on their, their turf, so to speak. Yeah. And just... Hearing what's going on. Hearing what's going on. So real quickly with your district, talk about for those that may not know with the redistricting and some of the some of the stuff going on, how did your district change? Oh, okay. Um, for the most part, I'm status quo. I've got okay. west of May Street and I go out to 167th uh, in certain parts of it. I did lose basically a neighborhood and think mm. over by Mel Hamilton Ford, 119th and okay. Kellogg, and it's the northwest kind of neighborhood in there mm, okay uh, it, and what happened there and i fully understand this uh brian bergkamp who has the district south of me he's got a lot of rural territory and was population wise we were trying to get numbers up on him my district has actually grown because of all the house construction along 135th street so my numbers were up they took that neighborhood it was kind of close to his and moved it over to him sure so yeah i hated to see it go i knew a lot of people in there you and i have both talked to a lot of people in there we've met some good ones um so that that part is gone but that's the only change on it yeah okay so, so not too bad not too bad not a whole lot of changes there yeah very cool well, that's gonna be fun I'm, I'm looking forward to election season uh i know that a lot of people are fired up about election fraud stuff and we'll talk more about that at uh, different times we've talked to scott schraub many times secretary of state and uh, that's been a hot topic for some individuals. But regardless of, I am optimistic about what's going on uh, this year. But let's talk about the last couple of days, the list. I mean, the governor that doesn't like to veto things and that she's never vetoed anything, according to her, and she's, she's not a veto governor. She's vetoed more things in like the last, I don't know, two, three, four administrations or something. Mm-hmm. Um the last couple of days, kind of some big news. She signed a couple of things and also vetoed a few things yeah, as well. She's vetoed several. Uh, not to rehash, but you remember the Fairness in Women's Sports, Senate Bill 160. That got <laughs> vetoed earlier. Of course. The Parents' Bill of Rights for School Children, Senate Bill 58. Obviously, that's been vetoed already. But The Parents' Bill of Rights. So the whole parents having more control with their kids. Being able got- to see what they're doing. Um, we we not, had some, we're not allowed to do that apparently. Yeah, the the teachers had concerns because oh my goodness, how much am I going to have to post online with my my schedules and the lessons and all that? That was all removed from the bill. It wasn't even there. It was just giving mm-hmm. parents the rights. So if they want certain access to their students' grades or what's going in, you know, there's some things today you have to go through CORA, the Kansas Open Records Act, in order to obtain some of this stuff. It's what? your it's your child. Yeah, you should be the one that has full access to it, you should be in control of what they're being taught. So That's interesting. So I just to kind of related to the radio industry, we have what we call a public file for a radio station. 
We have a public file, which means uh, technically anybody that wanted to walk into the station and ask about our public file on uh, guests that we've had on, different community events that we've done, different things that we do. Like we, by FCC regulation, have to have that file available to anybody that wants to see that stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can see that stuff online as well, or you can just listen to the programs and you can just hear it. So not a whole lot of people do, but it's available to the public uh, for that specific reason because it's for the community, which is right. what public broadcasting and what radio and, bro- and TV broadcasting actually is, why would we not just have like that public file of, hey, here's the here's the folder of your student with the grades that they've had, with the projects that they've done, with the notes that we have. Why wouldn't that be made yeah. to the public for the parents to go in and be like, hey, how's my kid? I know that we do like the parent-teacher conferences, but if it's the middle of the semester and the kid's struggling or something's going on, they're like, hey, can I come in and just see what's going on? Why wouldn't we have, be able to do and, that? And that's the way it should be. Now, when, when you get out in the more of the rural district, that's the argument there. It is open. They're, they're more working with sure. the, the involvement of the parent. You get inner city, it's a little bit different story there. So The ones that actually need it, because that's where the grades suffer a lot, and that's yeah. where 80% of the money goes to for public education. Right. Right. Yeah. But I think the parents ought to have full access to that. Now, do should I have access to, to your child? No, that's none of my business. Sure. But you should definitely have it. So, exactly. But anyway, as of yesterday, there was some more bills that got vetoed here. <laughs> uh, starting with Senate Bill 34. I'm just going to rattle off a few numbers and then we'll, du- we'll jump into them. But okay. Senate Bill 34 got it. House Bill 2387 got vetoed. And House Bill 2252 got vetoed vetoed she did sign senate bill 313 that's autonomous vehicles mm, so okay i want to just kind of jump wow. into these in the order yeah uh what is senate bill 34 it was prohibiting a government entity or a public official from ordering or otherwise requiring an individual to wear a face mask mm-hmm. that got vetoed it also uh prohibits a governor governmental entity or public official from issuing or requiring the use of COVID vaccination passports. I mean, that's something you and I are eye to eye on this one. And I think most of your listeners are going to be there too, but it got vetoed yesterday. So the banning of masks and the banning of a vaccine passport that got vetoed because she wants that opportunity just in case something comes up just again, in case something comes up again. Yeah. And it needs to be, looked at it on an individual by individual basis. And if I want to wear a mask or if you want to, I fully respect that. Go for but it's it. not for me to tell you to do that. Exactly. That's my stance on the thing. That's that's interesting because now you guys passed the bill last year, you know, in the special session and then in this legislative session as well, giving more power to the legislature during times of emergency and declarations mm-hmm. of emergency as opposed to the governor just running wild and doing these things. This bill sounds like it almost falls in tandem like that. So if there were mm-hmm. to be a discussion about a vaccine mandate or a, a mask mandate, God forbid we ever did something stupid like that again, that it would be up to the legislature to debate as the representatives of the people to cr- actually create a bill or to do something that way and then have the oversight right. of the entire governmental three agency or three different branches of government as opposed to the governor just being like, oh, I'm just going to put a mask mandate in today. Right. It needs to be up to the legislature to legislate that or yeah. debate it. And face it, we're only up there 90 days out of the year. So when we're gone... We've still got the Legislative Coordinating Council up there. It's the leadership of the legislature. That's where some of this needs to come from. Yeah. So the other part of that bill was also challenging orders and similar actions by the officials relating to gathering limitations 
and business restrictions and religious gathering limitations. So again, we're back, and that kind of coincides with another bill that we're going to talk about. So, <laughs> so if you remember the uh, in the heart of the pandemic, yeah. we were wide open for the required abortions or necessary abortions. Not allowed to go to church, but though. you were not allowed to go to church. Yeah. So. That one, the close quarters of the doctor's oh, office, yeah. but can't go to church on that one. So here's the big question: Do we have enough numbers to override that veto? Do you think possibly on that one? There, there's a couple of them I think we can override. That would be good. So we'll we'll take a look on that. One. All right, so, all right. Uh, I mentioned 2387. That's relating to Kansas Emergency Management Act again, removing the authority of the governor to prohibit attending or conducting certain religious services and worship services. So this one hits right in the heart of religious services. Again, vetoed yesterday. Yeah, again, you can go to the doctor, you can go and get your whatever else you want to. As long as it's government approved, you can go to the casino and go gambling, but you're not going to be able to go to church, apparently. That's just it. Yeah. So... Uh, I mentioned 2252, mm-hmm. and you made a comment earlier that was going to play right into this here, <laughs> but uh, neither the governor or the secretary of state nor any other officer in the executive branch, they shall not enter into any dissent decree regardless of the enforcement of any election laws. Mm-hmm. We're alternating, it's, it's dealing with the election laws, and the the bill really focuses on monitoring and regulating for fair election laws. That's the one I want to stress here, fair election laws. Sure. Governor vetoed it yesterday again. So um, with that, I was going to question, have you seen the movie, or your listeners have probably seen the movie of 2,000 Mules? 2000, I'm watching it this weekend. Very interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got a bunch of people together with the help of Bob Merritt, who used to be on the Goddard School Board. And this past week, got a bunch of people together, and we did kind of a private viewing to actually see it. Good. And yeah. a discussion before and after. So that was that was really an interesting. We did that last Thursday night. Do you recommend it for those that haven't seen it yet? I recommend it, but I'm also going to say keep an open mind when you're seeing this thing. Okay. You know, it it is a film, so there's parts in there that I, I look at it and say, hmm, this is technically feasible. Right. But they'll talk about... The mules that, which is your carriers of the, sure. the, the drop boxes for the ballots. Right. Okay. That's what it was all about. And that, in my heart, I'm, I had the chance and opportunity to go inspect the Sedgwick County election machines, the electronic machines. Sure. I know they were not connected to modems. I know they were not connected to the internet, to, to mm. stuff that they were accused of. At least that's Sedgwick County and the ones I got to see. Sure. But the drop boxes and the mail-in ballots, I don't know who dropped those off. I don't know how many people dropped off, you know, multiple ones for each person. Yeah. Uh, Could have been nobody. Could have been a whole bunch of buddies. Right. Um, And that's the part that the film will bring up. But the what... I found interesting in the film was they would show a video because these drop boxes would have cameras on them. Sure. And they might show a video of a individual dropping, a bu- you know, a bunch. Right. Is that five? Is it 10? In some cases, they were coming in with backpacks. <laughs> and they would talk in the movie of, okay, this person then went from box to box to box to box. Doing that. Doing it over and over. 
But yet the film only showed them at one box. Okay, mm. if they really went box to box, show me. I want to see that same person, okay. picture of their car, that kind of thing. And it never got into that. So that it left questions in my Interesting. mind. Interesting. Okay. You know, All right. How much of this is real? How much of it's filmmaking? So uh, try and be, I mean, if it's going to try and help prove our case on something like this, we need to be very critical of it to try and right. find the weaknesses in the arguments. Yeah. Okay. So they had a tremendous amount of data. I think they said four pentabytes of data with tracking. What's a penta? Of, Is that a, above the terabyte thing? That's, that's a thousand trillion. Oh my. All right. Yeah. Wow. So okay. that's, it's a bunch. It's a lot. It's a bunch. But <laughs> Donald it, Trump says it would be huge. It would be huge. It there would be go. huge. Um, but it was of tracking uh, smartphones. Okay. And you can get this data. You don't know who the people are. Right. Other than they could get, they were able to narrow it down with the, again, the use of computers of they knew where all the drop boxes were in these various cities. Mm. So they tracked, started tracking people that went to those same boxes 10, 20, 30 times. So those were kind of pulled out. So we could see sure. where they were going. Again, the part that I question, okay, there's drop boxes down at the courthouse. Right. So everybody that works in that courthouse carries a phone. Were they all mules? Because they walked by that same box multiple times, multiple mm. times. So that's the part you did get left to question, in, at least in my mind. On. Interesting. Okay. That's good to know. That's good to know. Let's take a break here real quick. 20 minutes past the hour. There's a few other bills that we need to get to when we come back on the veto stuff. But I'm glad we're addressing the election stuff because I don't think that we could ever – have enough security or transparency in discussing elections to make sure that they are legitimate. So, you know, I, it's not surprising the governor vetoed something like this again as uh, we try and continue to clean up the electoral process and make sure that it's running smoothly and hopefully that we can actually, again, get that one to be uh, have some type of override with the legislature on that one, which do you think? Optimistic maybe a little bit? Optimistic. Optimistic. Always got to be optimistic. All right, we'll take a break. 21 minutes past the hour. When we come back, we'll have a few minutes left. We'll talk about some more of the vetoed bills from Governor Kelly, what the state looks like, and getting into the sign and die in just about a week or so from now. Plus, right around the corner, we'll wrap up the show with the man himself, Bill O'Reilly, coming up on the program here on Candace Talk, here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. program about five minutes here before the bottom of the hour five minutes left here with state representative leo delperdang talking about all the things going on legislative wise here in the state of kansas and remember we'll have some more going on here in a couple of weeks when the sign and die is officially done and we're officially done and wrapped up with the session i'm hoping we're working on we'll do a round table with senate president ty masterson and house majority leader dan hawkins to do a full hour talking about a legislative recap so stay tuned in for that one but with the last couple of minutes here Let's talk about a bill that maybe Governor Kelly didn't want to fight us on and just actually signed. She actually did sign Senate Bill 313. Shocker. And that is autonomous vehicles. Uh, it's called ADS, Automated Driving Systems. 
and it is for commercial vehicles, mm-hmm. and it, we're limiting the size of this. So picture the no bigger than the truck that you might rent from U-Haul. Okay, and we're not. We are not talking semi trucks. We're not talking eighty thousand pound vehicles. Right, but initially, and and this is just a random one. I'm going to pull out and pick on, but let's say Walmart, and I'm not saying it. Walmart's doing. I'm just grabbing sure. their name, but from say a Walmart distribution center, they can have automated vehicles going to certain stores. So like automated, a, like driverless. Yes, driverless. Oh so my! It will be uh, set paths. These things are running on satellite. They're running on local GPS. They're lo- running on a lot of it. And one of the uh, requirements of the bill was that a regular <laughs> conventional human driver must be required to be physically present in every one of these vehicles for the first 12 months on each route that it, it they decide to bring onto this. So it, he's there, That's he or she are there too, in case there's any issues and we know that this thing's going to work fine. Right. Um, and if there's issues, we you know they're there to intervene with it. Um, the automated vehicles are also, we put it that they will be regulated exclusively by the Kansas Highway Patrol. Uh, and the, any violations of state, local traffic laws, and anything else are in effect as if the vehicle is driven by a regular human being. Mm. Are they going to have the uh, the number on the back of the truck that says, how's my driving? Call this number. <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> there we go. There's like, going to be lots of information on the vehicle. Because when we got into, I carried that bill to the floor. And when we got into the debates, well, what happens if it's in an accident? Or what's the protocol? Yeah. What if an officer tries stopping this vehicle? All of those are addressed throughout That's the bill. That's really it's interesting. A, it's got several pages to the bill. Okay. But it, it's it's just, again, you said Kansas is way behind on most laws. Did you not say that uh, earlier yeah, in our yeah. review interview here? This is taking us to another level here. We are state number, I believe it's 42 to okay. bring this on. There was a bunch of other states. So, again, we're not at the bleeding edge of this, mm-hmm. the laws are there in other states. Now, it does not say in this bill that we're going to turn around tomorrow and start doing this. Right. It's just setting it up for when for when it's ready. It's ready to start coming our way. That's interesting. So, all right. Again, it's coming out. And then, if I can just do a quick recap, I uh, last time I was on, I was working on what we called the Corvette bill, the House yes. Bill twenty five ninety four that I wrote for antique vehicles and carried. And it was specifically for antique vehicles doing restoration processes. That bill passed the House unanimously. I then went over and actually testified to the Senate side. And when we were done, it passed the Senate unanimously. Fantastic. We sent it to uh, the governor's office, and she did sign it. Wow. So now she it, got the credit for yeah, it. But. So it's, it's moving forward. The next stage of this is we called it the Corvette bill because it was a 59 convertible Corvette that it had been recently purchased from a dealership by a Kansas resident sure. that got seized. Okay. So the next step was we're trying to get this thing back. And back to them. Moving. And then if I've got time, we did another one. that got was 20 sell- seconds. Okay, twenty five ninety five, And that was selling antique vehicles. Like if you pull one out of a farmer's yard or so, uh-huh. you could sell it on a bill of sale until Ooh. you can get the title run through. So it's just another easier way to get these things back. I love it. Working on the antique vehicles, Leo. We we appreciate that. That's good. Leo Delperdang, always a pleasure, my friend. We'll do it again soon. Thank you for having me, Andy. Hey, good stuff. Bottom of the hour. When we come back, we'll shift gears a little bit, wrapping up the program for a Saturday. Stay here on KQAM.
Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back indeed. Last half hour on the home stretch here for Kansas Talk. If you want to jump into the program, we'd love to hear from you at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Thanks again to Leo Delperdane coming on the program. Always good to chat with that guy as we get some legislative updates going on. Again, we'll do a big legislative uh, powwow, shebang, and recap with uh, all the big wigs uh, coming up here in a few weeks after the sign and die is all said and done and the legislative session is officially wrapped up for the year and we'll get their thoughts on it so always good chat with all of them it seems like it's been a relatively productive year the big question is will we be able to veto or override the veto of some of the vetoes that governor kelly did as the governor who doesn't like to veto bills she ends up vetoing a lot of bills which i find kind of interesting with that let's shift gears a little bit and get into some national topics we have the Uh, Elon Musk issue that we'll talk about here in just a little bit. But we did sit down earlier this week on our national broadcast of The Voice of Reason with Bill O'Reilly, author of the new book, Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists, as we talk about technology, military technology, and the ongoing war against terrorism across the globe that we don't even know about because we don't hear about it any longer, and the media doesn't seem to want to talk about it as well. So we sat down with the man himself, formerly with Fox News, now with Newsmax and his radio program and with his books and everything that he does. It's the man himself, Mr. Bill O'Reilly. Bill, how are you, my friend? Good morning. Thanks for having me in. How's things in Wichita? Oh, we are living the dream. It Although our 90 degrees is making me melt a little bit. <laughs> yeah, we haven't seen more than 65 here in New York, and we don't get spring anymore. It's something about global warming. I'm not quite sure. But yeah, something like that. Very chilly here. Yeah, well, you know what? I guess we can blame global warming for the chill in the air. This book is fascinating, Bill. I've been reading through this one, and I love it. For those that don't know, I mean, it is the secret war against terrorists. Bill, I didn't know that terrorism was still a thing. I just hear about, you know, MAGA being the most extreme political organization in American history and how we need abortions and how, like, the LGBTQ and identity politics. Like, I didn't know terrorism was a thing anymore. Yeah, Putin's overwhelmed it, but um, there is a uh, extreme threat to the United States that uh, it's coming from al-Qaeda, which has reconstituted in Afghanistan after the uh, Biden botch of that. We'll all remember the Afghanistan withdrawal that led to the 18 U.S. service people being killed at Kabul airport. We end killing the killers with that information and stuff that nobody's seen. Um, but the United States has ferocious weaponry and a very effective surveillance on the terrorists overseas. It's inside the USA that's a little questionable. But Killing the Killers basically tells the reader, and this is all information nobody's ever heard before, how the trackdown of these uh, monsters happens and the assassinations, because we kill them now. They're not, you know, read, read their rights or it's none of that. It's a Hellfire missile. Uh, from a drone that obliterates these people in less than two seconds. And we walk you through that, um, and in the first uh, five days of release, Killing the Kill has sold over 100,000 copies. So people are very interested in what's being done to protect them. It is great to hear some of these inside stories, and I love it. Right out of the gate, you talk about and start off the book with the assassination of Osama bin Laden, which I, I love, and you did put the picture in there with Obama sitting off in the corner, kind of looking a little helpless. Uh, Hillary Clinton, the Secretary of State at the time, you know, just in gasp in the military in charge of this. But talk about the story and talk about what you guys put in this regarding that operation specifically. Well, the whole book is based on the national security 
security advisors talking to me. So I got about seven of them from uh, Bush, the younger, all the way to the end of Trump. You know, we had wrapped the book pretty much by the time Biden took over, sure. although we did get the Afghan stuff. Um, and they told me exactly what happened in the assassination of bin Laden and al-Baghdadi and Soleimani and the firefights in Africa against Boko Haram. We were able to check it all out, um, but it's information that's never been put forth to the public before. So bin Laden was an interesting case because um, the raid was set up in a very methodical way, but it went wrong uh, because one of the helicopters malfunctioned and um, semi-crashed outside his compound. Didn't affect the SEALs. All the SEALs got out and got into the compound quickly. And then inside the compound, it was the women who really fought hard against the U.S. Special Forces. Bin Laden and the men were cowards and hid behind the women. Um, didn't help them. And we take you step by step through that raid and then the interesting, really interesting part is after bin Laden was killed and his son was killed and the others, the U.S. Special Forces got all the computers and all the records inside that about a bad Pakistan compound. We got access to those records, which is why we could tell you in such vivid detail how this whole thing went down. And so that's the beginning of the book. As I said, Afghanistan is the end of the book. That's amazing. I mean, to be able to see some of these documents and get the inside scoop of what really happened, how the operations go down is, is a fascinating aspect because you're right. These are things that we don't think of when we're going to work every single day, when the farmers out in the farm are going out and doing their thing. This is the stuff that's going on behind the scenes that we need to appreciate every single day, don't we? Well, and it's more than that because um, our weaponry, which was developed in the Trump administration, remember, Donald Trump spent $1.2 trillion on upgrading the military, but we don't know where that money went. It went primarily into space weapons that Putin doesn't have and Xi in China doesn't have. And when you see how powerful these weapons are, the takedown of Soleimani, the Revolutionary Guard, that evil SOB uh, from Iran, the only thing left of Soleimani after the hellfire hit him was one finger with a ring on it, which is how he was identified. Everybody else in the two cars that were um, blasted were disintegrated. We have that picture in Killing the Killers. Wow. We show you the picture of the finger. It's incredible. But the destruction, uh, the weapons that we have, act as a constraint against Putin. Putin be doing a lot worse things if we didn't have these weapons. Now, we don't use them on Putin because that would then invite a nuclear response. Nobody wants that. Sure. But Putin knows we have these weapons, and it does constrain him. It keeps him at bay just a little bit. Were you surprised when the Trump administration came out and announced a space force? And like you mentioned, with uh, with the military upgrade going mostly towards space, I mean, they complained about the you know the tanks and different things that we had that were just out of date and how we needed to. But like you mentioned, if it's all going to space, was that a bit surprising or was it almost predictable? Well, I'm not a military hardware expert, so I was taken by surprise when our research turned up how many weapons we have in space and what our surveillance capability is. From three miles up in space, our drones can read the name of a golf ball <laughs> laying in the grass in Wichita. Wow. That's I scary. mean, that's incredible. Yeah. 
That's incredible, but it's also scary. I mean, I, I'm concerned about that. I like to be one of those eventually to live off the grid and do my own thing, and I, I, I do, that's concerning to me when we have that kind of te- capability. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things in Killing the Killers that are going to give you pause because uh, now we've reached a point where this planet could be destroyed very quickly. But we have to deal with the retail violence of the jihadists, and they are getting more powerful because of the Afghan Bosch. Al-Qaeda is up in northwestern, northeastern Afghanistan in the mountains there. They're reconstituting. ISIS is back in Iraq after Trump defeated them there. Um, And there's only one reason those people are in business, and that's to kill infidels. And Americans are at the top of that infidel list. So I tell everybody, look, this is the 11th killing book. It's the first one that's contemporized, that's happening now, that you can see with your own eyes. But you need to know, number one, the danger. And number two, what's being done to protect you against that danger. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're talking with Bill O'Reilly, author of the book Killing the Killers, The Secret War Against Terrorists. You can find his website at BillOReilly.com. Let's talk about the change in handling of terrorism and and defense and domestic defense and international defense between the Obama and the Trump administration. Was there a major change in policy on how they actually handled these? I mean, we heard the rumors of Obama dropping leaflets to say, hey, we're going to warn you before we bomb you as opposed to trump just saying we're going to send some of these missiles that you know take out take down tunnels that are a mile down into the ground without any warning i mean was there a drastic change in policy on how we handled this stuff there was an evolution of policy because obama made a huge mistake by withdrawing all u.s troops out of iraq some people may remember that as soon as he did that isis took over the western part of the country completely ran it and then went into syria and ran a lot of the northern parts of that country. And you'll remember, ISIS was decapitating people on camera. It was on the Internet. They were riding in, into towns with black flags. They took over Mosul. I mean, and that embarrassed Obama. He was absolutely embarrassed. And then, after that happened, he changed into a very aggressive, let's get these guys mode. It worked partially. Sure. But you had to clean these people out, and that wasn't easy. So Trump takes over, and one of Trump's campaign vows in 2016 was, I'm going to wipe out ISIS, which Trump did. Sure. And Trump was more aggressive in allowing the United States military to do the missions they had to do and to assassinate the people they had to kill. Trump was more aggressive than Obama. But at the end, Obama was not a dove. I mean, he was he, he was angry that they embarrassed him. Bill, let's go towards the end here, as you mentioned, and let's talk about the most recent stuff, the pullout of Afghanistan, which, uh, according to what we've seen, kind of a disastrous pullout. But I remember vividly, and I forget whether they were the friend according to the Biden administration, or the ally, or whether they were the enemy, but ISIS-K, which is a new word that popped up, and we had no clue who the heck ISIS-K was against the Taliban, and one of them was a friend, one of them was an ally, one was helping us actually get out and, and preserve all the air bases, which didn't work because we still had bombings at the air bases, but what the heck was going on there, and was it really as messy as what we heard in the news? It's probably worse. Um, so... Afghanistan 
got to be a drain on U.S. Um, money and manpower, not so much. Trump made a deal with the Taliban and said, look, don't kill or attack any Americans, and I will find a way to withdraw from Afghanistan. That was a deal that Trump made with the head of the Taliban. Yeah. And the Taliban kept that deal for 18 months. There wasn't an attack on an American soldier in the last 18 months of Trump's administration. But uh, the generals advised Trump, and particularly the CIA, don't pull out entirely because we need Bagram Air Force Base to monitor the Chinese and to make sure the Taliban don't take over the country. So we've got to have air power there. If they do something untoward, we ought to be able to hurt them. So Trump did that. As soon as Biden got in, just like every Trump policy, Biden threw it out. He threw out Trump's border. He threw out Trump's economy. He threw out everything that Trump did. And he basically said to his generals, we're leaving. And the generals were spineless and didn't say, we're going to resign if you pull out of there in a chaotic way. They didn't do that. So the Taliban, as soon as Biden was elected and inaugurated, they started an offensive. And unfortunately, the Afghan people did not fight. So when you hear, when I heard this week that the Afghan women are now banned from appearing in public without a head-to-toe burqa, I did not feel sorry for those women. Mm. I don't feel sorry for the Afghan people. For 20 years, America gave them blood and treasure so they might have a semblance of freedom. And when it came down to it, they refused to fight for their freedom. So they get what they get. But Biden, who knows nothing about the military at all, the only Obama advisor to a to um, raid the bin Laden compound. Remember, Biden's the only one that said no in the whole cabinet of uh, President Obama. Okay? And that's how astute he is. So he gets in, he goes, we're pulling it out, and I'm abandoning all the weapons that we have, and I'm leaving everything there, and I'm pulling out of Bagram Air Force Base, and we're getting the hell out. Well, as soon as that happened, ISIS, they called it ISIS-K, but that's just a misnomer. ISIS basically said, all right, but we're going to hit you on the way out, which they did. So it was a terror guy incarcerated in Bagram, and I've been to Bagram. I've been to Afghanistan. All right. He was incarcerated. The Biden administration let all the terrorists out. He, in three days, then turned around and killed 18 U.S. servicemen. That's on Biden, 100%. Now, ISIS and al-Qaeda, they don't cooperate. And ISIS doesn't like the Taliban either. They're the ones that are causing trouble for the Taliban now. Okay, But it doesn't really matter because what happened in Afghanistan never should have happened. Biden should never have withdrawn all of our people and let the weapons and Bagram fall into the Taliban's hands. But he did, and that's history. There it is. That was Bill O'Reilly. We had him on the program a couple of days ago. We appreciate his time very much. Great information. Boy, I tell you what, if you want to hear about the military strategy of what happened with some of the war on terrorism, some of the military technology that we have today, interesting stuff for sure. And again, just reinforces the idea that Joe Biden is a complete disaster when it comes to actually handling international issues or threats to America, which is a little concerning, don't you think? Just a little bit, maybe, just a tiny bit. We'll take a break. We'll take a couple more phone calls here. 
Open line to you for the last few minutes as we wrap up the show today for a Saturday here on Kansas Talk on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. program wrapping up here last couple minutes here on the show thanks for hanging out today for kansas talk on the big talker kqam thanks again to leo delperdang coming on the show bill o'reilly good stuff all around we'll do it again next saturday make sure to stay tuned in as we get you almost set and prepared getting ready for labor day weekend in a few weeks can you believe it we are uh, officially about ready to launch summertime here in a couple of weeks it is maddening to think how quickly this stuff is moving right along but hey welcome to 2022 as well, I have to admit that here in the state of Kansas, I am optimistic. I am so excited and very optimistic about election season and the direction that we are moving as we have a supermajority of Republicans. We have a lot of Republican momentum nationally right now, but even here in the state of Kansas right now, the polls that show that Derek Schmidt, candidate for governor and current attorney general, which we'll have on the program next week, by the way, is dominating in the polls against Laura Kelly. Now they're preliminary, they're early, but they're dominating. The media right now, the Democrats, the only shred of optimism they have, not just in Kansas, but nationally, the only shred of optimism they have right now is to try and cause some shakiness, cause some disruptions, and cause some drama within the Republican Party for us to do the inner bickerings. Because as many know, the Republican Party, that's our worst enemy, is us, is finding ways to shoot ourselves in the foot. The moderate Republicans sabotaging the conservatives, the conservatives trying to promote a quote-unquote purist agenda, and uh, the inner bickerings that go on within the Republican Party. That's why the Libertarian Party doesn't go anywhere, is because there's way too much of it, and they can never get a steady hold on what their platform actually is. Republicans are almost the same. And Democrats, they really do the lockstep and in-step thing. So uh, I am optimistic in our state with Kansas because we don't have a bloody primary coming up this year. We do in some other races. I don't know if it's going to be bloody. It's at least going to be competitive, which I'm all about a competitive primary. But a bloody one, it's not going to be like what we're seeing right now in Pennsylvania with Dr. Oz and with Kathy Barnett and with McCormick running for that U.S. Senate seat. It's not going to be bloody like we're seeing with the media trying to play into the Georgia governor's race with Kemp, with Vice President Mike Pence campaigning for him, while Donald Trump says that he contributed to the voter fraud in the 2020 election and the inner bickerings with the Republican Party there we're not going to see that type of drama in the elections here in kansas which means we could see more republican seats in the state legislature we could see a republican governor we could see a republican attorney general we could see a republican secretary of state and you can see some conservative values really start to punch out here over the next couple of years going to be kind of exciting back at it next week for kansas talk uh voice reason back at it on monday at 4 p.m until then have a great weekend we'll see you on the radio